Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, folks, this is Kevin. We're calling today's episode of Risk Live Sex Show Part 1 because we're going to have a couple of stories from our trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we appeared at Pornotopia, and we're going to feature a story from a recent show that we did in San Francisco in conjunction with body storytelling there. But first, do you have someone on your gift list that's impossible to shop for? That guy who, you know, you're just afraid it's going to be awkward. You're going to give him something where it's like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this, right? How about a Harry's razor? Listen, Harry's Winter Winston set is only $30 for a beautifully sleek chrome razor, three super high quality blades, their amazing foaming gel or a beautiful old fashioned shaving cream. It's already wrapped and shipping is always free. And as a special holiday offer, Harry's is gifting all listeners of Risk $5 off with the promo code RISK HOLIDAY, all one word. The RISK is lowercase holiday, uppercase. Even those of you who are already loyal Harry users, you'll get $5 off a Winter Winston set with our promo code Risk Holiday. You'll get the razor, three quality blades, a tube of the foaming shave gel or shave cream for just $25. That's what you pay nowadays if you go to the drugstore for like five blades or something. I have been getting barbershop quality shaves out of these blades. We're talking baby smooth. And a lot of people don't know it, but Harry's was co-founded by the same co-founder of Warby Parker. And, you know, there is a lot of similarities in their model of business. They emphasize great design, meticulous craftsmanship, amazing value, and highly personal and dedicated customer service. You'd be a fool to continue buying your razors at a drugstore. So go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give all listeners to risk $5 off a Winter Winston set with the code RISKHOLIDAY. 
As a special limited-time offer for the holiday, Harry's is gifting all new and existing Harry's customers $5 off the Winter Winston set. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. And the coupon code is RISKHOLIDAY. And just one more thing. With the holidays almost here, you don't have time to go to the pool. It will be packed with so many people you'll want to scream, so use stamps.com instead! You use your own computer and printer to print your U.S. postage for your letters and packages. We use stamps.com. Why don't you use stamps.com? Right now, get this special offer when you use my promo code RISK. It's a no-risk trial, and we know that's just confusing. <gasps> Plus $110 bonus off for the digital scale. And free postage. Go to stamps.com before anything else. Click the mic on the homepage and type in risk. That's stamps.com. Enter risk. to places where you had no idea that kinky people were. Uh, I was, we just did a show in Pittsburgh, and the first thing I do when I come into any town is I'll turn on the grinder or whatever and see if they're, you know, I have a thing, I have a real sweet spot for Asian dudes. So I wasn't sure, you know, if there, there, <laughs> there aren't many in New Mexico that I know of. But there are a lot in Pittsburgh, but I was like, okay, there seem to be a lot in Pittsburgh going to the colleges here, but are they kinky? The very first message I got on Grinder was from a young man at Carnegie Mellon saying, show me a picture of your poop. I was like, go Pittsburgh! <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I'll open the Grinder later tonight and we'll see what happens. We're going to have a very uh, uh, full evening, loaded evening, lots of wonderful stories. We're here to celebrate porn that is made by people who love sex-positive stuff, right? The, the consent, the negotiation, all of the, 
the orientations and genders and identifications and lifestyles. And that's just wonderful because risk is totally behind that. And we're going to hear stories tonight that come from those various perspectives, very randomly different perspective. And, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, first, I guess I wanted to tell you about the first time that I ever made a little porno. It's interesting because, you know, I'm always amazed with sexuality, with myself, in my own personal experience, how there are so many things. I'm in my 40s. I'm in my mid-40s. There's so many things that happen where I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Because someone else said, you know, we can do this, you know? It was about five years ago, five or six years ago, I had my first iPhone. And uh, I had a young man over, this lovely young Chinese fellow. And he had an anus that was like a, uh, an amber sunset. It was just glorious, all the colors, and I was just snipping. And I asked him, do you mind if I take a moment just to kind of bask in it? Just like, just show it, show it to me. He was like, okay. And I was like, uh, uh, maybe, maybe could you tense and release, you know, as if you're blowing me kisses. And I was so taken by it. He was like, you know, if you love how that looks so much, you could make a video of it. And I was totally floored. I was like, holy shit, you are totally right. I have a telephone that can do that. <laughs> there is this site where you can post your own, you know, uh, little homemade little porn videos. And there, you know, six years later, there's just a series of my, and they're all the same. <laughs> Guys from all around the world just opening and closing. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point I had a mess so many that I was like, boy, does this make me look like a complete and total objectifying fetishist. But then I thought, no. What about Monet's water lilies? <laughs> and Van Gogh's sunflowers and Cezanne's mountain. There's something about it. It's my, it's, this is the white whale I'm chasing. <laughs> Finding the perfect opening and close. Um, okay, our first storyteller. You can find her. Her blog is called 13firstdates.weebly.com. Please welcome to the stage, Waverly Jane. So, I'm 25. I've only ever slept with one person. I've been single for about a year, and I really, really, really want to hook up with somebody. <laughs> but I am a straight girl at a gay bar. Let's explore how I got there. So I grew up in the Midwest. Um, good church-going family. I had sex ed, right? How babies are made, STDs, all the high points. <laughs> Um, but the first time that I ever really sat down with a grown-up and talked about what it might be like to have sex was at church camp. Uh -huh. um, I, I signed up for this seminar called Being a Woman of God. And it was led... Yeah. <laughs> it was led by this woman named Monica. And Monica was just perfect. She had dark hair, 
dark eyes. She was small. She was youth pastor's wife. She was a stay-at-home mom. She was regularly sort of held up as everything a woman of God should be. Uh, And I remember very clearly, the first thing she said to us, she said, ladies, because it was all women, she said, ladies, sex is awesome (laughs) within the confines of a marriage between two God-fearing adults. She said, sex is something we do for our husbands. (laughs) Sex is something we do for our husbands to show him how much we love him. And that pleases God. (laughs) And I look around and all the other girls are like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm sorry, guys, but for the most part, at that point in my life, I kind of bought it. Uh, That kind of fell in line with everything I knew to be true about sex. Um, Sex was for marriage, or at the very least, sex was for a monogamous relationship. And everything in my life kind of reinforced that belief. It was in movies, it was in TV, it was in the way that we talked about the girls at school who we thought were slutty. So I really, at 16, came to two conclusions. One, if you have sex before you're married, then you're a sinner. And if you feel really, really bad about it, maybe we'll forgive you. And two, if you have sex with lots of people before you get married, then you're a slut and we'll never forgive you because there's nothing worse. (laughs) Those beliefs began to change in college. Uh, Where I had a lot of like exciting new experiences. I studied abroad, I met new people, I did new things. uh, And I, I got a pretty serious boyfriend. And after a couple of months, he and I decided we would begin to have sex. Exciting times, right? Uh, and so I, I was an RA when I was in college, and I sat down after one of our meetings with my hall director, Kate. And now I, I thought Kate was amazing. If Monica was the archetype of what a woman should be when I was 16, when I was 21, Kate was everything I thought a woman should be. She was smart. She was beautiful. She was really principled. Like, she believed in things. Uh, And I I just admired her so much. And so I wanted to share this with her. So I'm telling her about my first couple of times. And it's it's lovely. And at one point in the conversation, she says to me, you know, you know, I really prefer casual sex. Come again? (laughs) Wait wait a second. Um, Kate, like... Really? Doesn't that make you feel bad? Don't you, don't you feel like trashy afterward? And she just said no. And then I changed the subject because that did not compute for me. <laughs> Here was this woman that I admired so much, and she was telling me that she was a big old slut. I didn't know how to deal with that. And frankly, at that point in my life, I didn't really have to. As it turned out, my attitudes about sex hadn't changed that much. Because uh, I, I was having sex, but I was in love. And maybe we were going to get married. And so at that point, I, I just kind of set those challenges aside. I decided I wasn't going to think about that. Until four years later, when that relationship ended. <laughs> uh, and when that relationship ended, I knew, again, two things. I knew that I definitely wanted to keep having sex. (laughs) And that I did not want to be in a relationship. 
But I'll tell you, like, at first, those were sort of subconscious desires. I didn't really understand what it was that I wanted, so my strategies didn't make a whole lot of sense. For example, I moved in with my mom. (laughs) I signed up for Match.com. These were not effective hookup strategies, particularly in the Midwest. Uh, But, you know, time went on, and I started to understand what it was that I wanted. And so my strategies improved. Uh, I can remember one time, this was relatively typical, a friend and I went to Chicago, and we went to a club, we're dancing, it's great, uh, and I, I find myself dancing with this lovely Middle Eastern gentleman, he's very tall, he, I later learned, tastes a little bit like cigarettes, because uh, we're making out, and it's, it's good, and then finally he sort of leans in and says, hey, you want to get out of here? And something in my brain just went, SWAT! <laughs> and like good Christian muscle memory took over, and I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Bye bye. I like right away. <laughs> this was really frustrating because it kept happening over and over again. And I couldn't figure out why, and I couldn't figure out how to get over it. So when at the end of that year, I had an opportunity to go do some temp work in a much bigger city, about a thousand miles away from the Midwest, I was like, yes, sign me up. This is how I ended up at the gay bar. So, my new friends, we want to go out dancing, and the best place in our neighborhood happens to be this gay bar, and so I go with them, I get all dressed up, I put my makeup on, it's great. We um, walk into the room, it's huge, Um, and the room is full, but it's not super crowded, so we walk in the room, it's white, okay, everything is super bright, a dance club should not be this bright, Uh, there's like blue chairs and some blue lights, but mostly I can see everything just fine, so I'm dancing, I'm having a good time, rocking out to Lady Gaga, and I see across the room one of my friends is talking to a guy, and I'm like pretty sure he's straight, at least by this guy, he's interested in a woman, and my friend is not interested in him, Uh, but I am, because he's super hot, Uh, he's like got caramel skin, he's about 5'8", dark curly hair, his jeans fit so nice, they're like dark wash, tight around the hips, falling to the floor, I was very into the jeans, and so I sort of strategically start dancing over closer to them, and my friend notices, and she introduces me. And so I'm like, hi. Uh, he he um, says, hey. Uh, and I'm like, so what brings you to town? He's like, well, I'm an actor. I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and then he says, and then he says, yeah, I'm in town shooting a pilot. We're hoping it gets picked up by HBO. And I was like, oh well, yeah, okay. Um, but I'm not going to hold that against him. There are other things I'd like to hold against him. So I uh, start dancing, and we start kissing a little bit, and then we're kind of making out, uh, and this is the point at which, like, things can go poorly, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, so I, so I lick his lips, because I think that's going to be a super sexy move, <laughs> and I think he liked it, because <laughs> he leaned in next, and he sort of whisper-yelled in the way you do in a club, like, hey, baby, come with me, uh, and instead of freaking out and running to the bathroom, I was like, yeah, I'm going to come with you. Uh, so I, I let him take my hand, and he walks me out to the patio. It's like a thousand degrees, so nobody is on the patio. So I'm like, okay, we've arrived. Let's continue. Um, but he has another plan. So he sort of uh, takes me down this little narrow hallway off to the side. I'm like, oh, where are we going? Okay. Uh, and he walks me into this walk-in freezer. So... <laughs> 
It's your basic bar walk-in freezer. There are some cases of beer, uh, stacks of jalapeno poppers. I'm not super paying attention to the surroundings because I really just want to make out some more. And so he sort of grabs me, like pushes me up against the door. Smart. No one can come in that way. And so we're making out in this freezer, and I can tell he's, like, going for my chest because I have this rather complicated halter top on. He's trying to undo it, and he can't get it undone. So he goes on south and, like, is undoing my very sexy teal shorts that I don't have up here. Um, he's got them mostly undone. And finally, guys, I am getting fingered in the walk-in freezer of a gay bar. Yeah! <laughs> This is awesome! <laughs> is it pleasurable? I'm not super sure. I'm just like, so, I'm so happy that it's happening. <laughs> Guys, I feel so like desirable and dangerous and powerful. And so when he leans in and says, hey, you want to get out of here? I'm like, yeah, I want to get out of here. And I'm feeling so powerful. So I say like, and we're going to my place. And then I think about that a little bit because I'm doing this, this temp work and I'm like, am I living in a dorm? <laughs> but I don't have a roommate. Uh, he doesn't care about any of these details. So he walks me outside. We get in his car, which, by the way, much nicer than I thought it would be. Actor story starting to hold some water. <laughs> Drives me to my dorm. We go upstairs and we have sex. <laughs> yeah! It is not awesome. <laughs> His idea of dirty talk is to just keep saying, baby, you're so wet. Baby, you're so wet. Baby, you're so I'm like, I know. That's what happens. Uh, his, his sweet little dick just can't stay hard, and my bed is tiny, and nobody comes. But uh, we fall asleep eventually, and, and it's really fine. Five o'clock in the morning comes. He says, I have an early call. Uh, and he leaves, and I'm left alone in my bed on my extra long twin sheets and I'm smiling because I still feel really desirable and dangerous and powerful I don't feel any of the shame that I thought I would when I got to this point and I googled him and he is an actor he's got an IMDB page and everything started to change for me after that. It was like all of my luck and skill was just shoved up in my pussy and I just needed some hot actor dude to figure it out of me. And he did. Uh, the very next week, I had a different boy in my tiny bed. Uh, a couple weeks after that, I got a new job. I got to move. And let me tell you, I had no shortage of short-term suitors in my life. <laughs> And I think, you know, through this experience, I learned some things. First of all, I learned that Monica was wrong. Uh, I do not have sex for someone else. Guys, I don't even always have sex with someone else. Uh, if I want to have sex, I do. Uh, and if I don't, I just say no. Last week, this dude wanted to fuck me at the Econolodge, and I said, no, thank you, sir. <laughs> if... If someone wants to have sex with me and I don't want to have sex with them, I, I try to be kind about it. I don't always succeed, but I try. Uh, if I want to have sex with somebody who isn't interested in me, I take a moment to feel sad about that, but I move on. I think I'm okay, you know? I don't feel 
like a slut. Or if I am, I don't care. <laughs> and you know, all these really profound learning experiences, I think I owe them all to the actor in the freezer. And so, wherever you are, kind sir, I must simply say, thank you. <laughs> You know, I, that reminded me when I was new to going to sex clubs or sex parties in New York back when I was uh, in my early 20s. I remember I would leave an orgy or a sex club and I would always like walk down the blocks thinking the same thing. It was, do I feel guilty? Do I feel ashamed? I don't. I don't feel guilty or ashamed. And then I got this therapist, and I remember there was one particular session where it was clear we were going to start talking about sex. And she said, now, you have to understand something. The way that I am going to view what you're going to talk about is going to be purely objective. There will be no moral, no moralizing about what I'm viewing and telling you about your sex life. It's not a moral thing. It's more of a scientific, just objective reaction. I was like, okay, great. So I told her, well, like, for example, I've been going to the West Side Club where, you know, all these crazy and kooky encounters happen. And she said, okay, see, I think that what you're not seeing is that when you walk into that club, there might as well be a sign right over the entrance as you walk into the club itself that says, abandon hope all ye who enter here. It's like, what? Like the sign over the gates of hell? <laughs> that sounds a little bit moralistic. <laughs> so at that time, I was recording my thoughts after every therapy session, you know, and I remember leaving that one walking down the street saying, well, how do I feel about this? She said this to me. And then, like, that very night, I went to the, the sex club, but this time, I brought a tape recorder, the same one with which I was tape recording all my thoughts and feelings about therapy, and I have this recording of me being like, all right, I just fucked a dude while another dude was fucking me, and I feel great. <laughs> Let us bring up to the stage next just a fascinating story. A very, very smart, brilliant person. You can find her at ifoundthiscreepy.blogspot.com. I love the name of that blog. Please welcome to the stage, Catherine Smith. I just want to tell you all that uh, there was something profoundly sticky under my seat. <laughs> and I'm really relieved that this is the first event of Party Time. <laughs> the Translating Identity Conference is held every year at the University of Vermont to explore gender and transgender identities. A little more than a decade ago, I was there. The entertainment for the evening is a trans drag show of youth, and although many of us are appreciative of the gusto of the performance, 
some of us are looking for some entertainment that's, that's slightly more adult. Adeline, who had presented that day about her work in the trans community, she's one of these people. And she's perfect. Short, dark hair, leather jacket, butch as hell. <laughs> we exchanged maybe three words against the backdrop of George Michael singing father figure before she pushes me up against a pillar and hikes up my leg and starts making out with me. Now, I'm a fan of consent, but what can I say? This is hot. So I wrap my leg around her and I pull her in. We negotiate in the stairwell, her leading me there, a hand grasped firmly around my wrist. And once we've established that we're both kinky and horny, and who I'm going to check in with later to make sure that everything's fine, we're on the way to her hotel room. As I turn onto Dorset Street, she turns to me and she says, So, you know I'm pre-op, right? And it takes me a minute. I'm like, okay, pre-op. So she's a trans woman and she hasn't had surgery. She's telling me she has a penis. <laughs> And, I, you know, my experience with penises is limited at this point in my life, but it, it's just not a thing. And as I tell her this, I can see and I can feel her relax. At her room, we sit around and she shows me a picture of a woman, her eyes closed, her hair tied back, and cum splashed all over her face. She says, it's so beautiful as she points out the pimples on the forehead of this woman in the unretouched photo. She tells me about this woman she's gonna marry in a few months time, and she starts playing with her single tail whip, which I find a little scary, and we had already discussed not using that. <laughs> so just as I'm wondering why I'm there, she tells me to give her a lap dance. Well, I've seen striptease <laughs> and showgirls, and I'm pretty sure that I can mimic what they're doing. So I gyrate around her in a way that I'm pretty sure is sexy for most of a song. <laughs> Until with much frustration, she grabs my thighs and pulls me down on her lap. She says, this is how you give a lap dance as she's maneuvering my hips in slow grinding motions over her pelvis. When I get off her lap, she notices the enormous wet spot that I have left on the thigh of her black jeans. <laughs> oh, is that from you? These are my only jeans. I have to wear them home tomorrow. Are your panties still on? And she sticks her hand under my cunt to check. I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> I am a healthy young woman and I get wet. But when she orders me into the bathroom to reapply my lipstick, I'm still hot and I'm still ready. So obediently, I reapply. When I come out of the bathroom, Adeline has 
the most enormous silicone dildo I have ever seen sticking out of her jeans. She's sitting in a chair and she just snaps and points at the floor by her feet. I'm there immediately on my knees trying to wrap my lips around this flagpole of a cock. <laughs> it's hard and squeaky in my mouth and I'm really glad that she cannot tell when my teeth are hitting it. <laughs> She's moving around and grabbing my hair and mashing this cock against my face. I can tell there's something she wants, but I don't know what it is until she yanks my head up and mashes her hand over my mouth. What kind of lipstick is this? Why won't it move? And I'm a child of the 80s. I, like many of my generation in the early 2000s, I'm wearing non-smearing lipstick. <laughs> Do you remember the commercial? It's like a woman with a white rose and she rubs it on her red lips and it says, won't kiss off on him. <laughs> so I have to admit this to her and she looks at me like I have just told her that Skittles come in poop flavor. <laughs> she is so disappointed that I am not going to look dirty and disheveled from taking in her big cock. So, since my lipstick won't smear, she decides it is time for some good old-fashioned fucking. She tells me, take off your panties, but leave on your belt and your stockings and your shoes. There's a problem. I have a tendency to wear my underwear under my clothing. <laughs> and this garter belt, it is permanently attached to these stockings, and there is no way I can get those panties off without taking everything off that's down there. So I admit this to her. <laughs> and I feel like I have stopped Christmas from coming. I am just praying that she still wants to have sex with me enough to find something I can do right. She studies me. How attached are you to those panties? Well, I assured her I was not attached at all. So she sets me up on the bed, my legs in the air, and in the most deft and superhuman maneuver, she grabs her knife and she slices through the underwear without touching me at all. In a matter of seconds, they are shredded in a pile on the floor, and I am completely exposed. Adeline clearly has mad skills. <laughs> and there is nothing that I want more at this point than for her to shower them upon me. She fucks me in positions that I have never dreamed of. She fucks me like I'm a wheelbarrow. She fucks me like I'm a dog folded over like a sandwich. And as she's fucking me on my back with one leg ratcheted up between our bodies, I feel my toes start to fall asleep. <laughs> she growls, well, isn't that too bad? Before she switches my legs. So she's been fucking me a really long time and it's starting to hurt a little bit and I'm getting a little lost. I close my eyes. Smack her hand across my face. Look at me when you're in pain and she spits in my face. 
I fell so in love with that moment. She has put me in a submissive version of heaven, and I am not lost because I have her eyes, and she insists on seeing me. It's not over. Now I have my fingers up her ass. <laughs> She's teaching me to stroke her prostate, which I didn't know at the time, but that's what's happening. And she wants me to suck her off. She explains that there is a specific time when, you know, just at the right moment I can hit her prostate and it's going to be amazing. And she will indicate this time to me. And I say, that I'll need a condom. And she loses her erection immediately. Now, I don't really know yet in my life that you cannot put a condom on someone who is flaccid, but I am trying. <laughs> trying to encourage her. I say, your penis is so hot. She looks away. That's not my penis. That's my big clit. I don't know what to say. I am trying to seem all worldly and like I'm good at something, but I have just reminded her that the world doesn't see her as who she is as a woman. I start to slowly and gently suck on her and stroke her in the way that she showed me. Eventually, she gets hard again, and I think that she indicates that it's time and I push into her prostate. I don't know if she came. I don't know if she's okay. She rolls onto her side, fetal position, as I take the condom away and I come back and put my arms around her. She asks if I'm a big spoon or a little spoon, and we settle down, her behind me, and gently she pries my ass cheeks apart and sticks her thigh in between them. If you've never tried this, do. <laughs> it is the most profoundly stabilized feeling position ever, as if someone is telling you that they want to be close to the dirtiest, nastiest parts of you. I fell asleep immediately. <laughs> we woke up late the next morning. We rushed to my car so I could drive her to the airport, and she's saying all these odd things like, so, I guess you're going to be really glad to go home, and uh, are you going to tell your friends about what a terrible night you had? I don't know what she's getting at. And I'm feeling manipulated and annoyed. Finally, I said, Adeline, what do you want me to say? That this was the most amazing sex I've ever had because it was. And she sounds small and vulnerable when she says, yes, that's what I wanted to know. And it was. It was the most amazing sex I had ever had. Yes, okay, it was awkward, and I felt stupid and inept and displeasing a lot of the time. And, and I wanted to seem like this was something I had done before, which I hadn't. Uh, but, but how likely was it that I, a college student in Vermont, was going to get picked by the hottest out-of-town woman at the entire conference 
I had never been spit in the face before. I had never been fucked like I was a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I had never had a thigh up my ass. <laughs> and I've been grateful for it ever since. So she took out whatever electronic device was popular in the early 2000s. She says, what is your number? I have to add you to my list. So I give her my phone number. And as she finishes typing, she makes a small exclamation. I say, what? What is it? Oh, it's nothing. It's not, it's just, <laughs> see, you're number 69. <laughs> I say, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? What's the matter? It's nothing. It's just such an ironic, important number. You mean that if you'd known this was number 69, you might have chosen differently? She mumbles in assent. Five minutes later, I drop her off at the airport. I give her a hug and a kiss. That's the last contact we had. This is Frazy Ford behind me now, and we just heard a couple of stories from our trip to Pornotopia in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So much thanks to Adam Rubenstein for bringing us there and for taking such good care of us. We had so much fun with Adam and everyone at that wonderful festival. Hey, another great option for gift-giving this holiday season is giving the gift of Risk itself. If you didn't already know, we have so many episodes that are no longer available for free. The classic episodes from our first years, 2009, 2010, some from 2011 at this point, I think. Season 1 and Season 2 have been remastered. The advertisements have been removed. And you can get them for $20 per season. Or for a limited time, get the first two seasons and the all-star episodes for the price of only $40. That is in our shop. If you go to the Risk shop at risk-show.com slash shop, 
You'll find the wonderful deals we have there for all of those classic episodes. So many of our greatest stories can be found there. It's well, well worth checking out. And don't forget that here in New York, we still have a couple of workshops going on before the year ends. We have a one-day storytelling for business workshop with Don Fraser. That is on Sunday, December 14th. This is all through thestorystudio.org, our school. Then we have a two-day workshop. This one is with David Crabb, I believe, on December 13th and 14th. So check those out at thestorystudio.org if you are in New York. And mention the promo code HOLIDAY when you sign up for workshops so that you can save $30. Remember also that you can give the gift of storytelling workshopping if you get a gift certificate at thestorystudio.org. I do one-on-one training, or there are those six-week workshops, one-day workshops, two-day workshops. A great way to give someone something really special is to bring storytelling into their life by giving them a gift certificate to thestorystudio.org. Our last story comes to us today from the renowned sex educator and relationship guru, Reed Mahalko, a good friend of mine. Reed is a very special guy. You can find him at readaboutsex.com. He helps a lot of people with a lot of different uh, sex and romance uh, thingamabibbles. And he's a very beloved figure in the kink and poly communities as well. Here he is now when Risk teamed up with Dixie De La Tour's body storytelling in San Francisco. This is Reed Mahalko with a story we call Lesbian Strap On Gangbang. A sadist is somebody who enjoys inflicting pain on another human being. A masochist is somebody who enjoys having pain inflicted upon them. I am neither of those people. In the kinky world, I am very vanilla. I'm into group sex, I'm queer, I'm a polyamorous slut. And several years ago, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, having just created an event called Cuddle Party, which is a non-sexual event for communication and non-sexual affection, I get invited to go to this kinky summer camp. And they're like, Reed, would you like to come and teach your cuddle party? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and then I get there and I'm like, okay, everybody, come with your pajamas and this and that. And there's like, you know, leather dom. It's like, <clears throat> can I wear my chain mail? And I'm like, no, bring pajamas or footy pajamas or something flannel. And they're like, that's edgy. <laughs> and I'm like, what does edgy mean? Tell me more. 
because I'm a sex geek and I'm a sapiosexual. And if you're smart and you know your shit, I want to fuck you. But I'm not kinky. And I kind of get taken in by this like kink coven almost. You know, there's this like leather family and they're like, it's not all sadists, but it's heavily sadists. And so the way that, 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 you know, these camps go is like, it's late at night and I'm kind of a night owl. And so you're kind of like roaming around and I go check out the dungeon and I'm like, whoa, I can't unsee that. I don't, what are you, whoa. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. This is so cool. I didn't know you could even be into that. Is that a Frisbee? Wow. So, like, in the late-night roamings and the sleeplessness, like, you run into other late-night roamers who are sleepless, and he's kind of like, what's up? What you, what you doing? And I run into one of the sadists. Now, this is like this... When, when sadists say... She's a sadist. When, a, when, a, when somebody says somebody's name and a sadist steps back a couple of steps, you're like, what's up with that? And they're like, oh, no, you, you don't want to play with so-and-so. She will fuck your shit up. So let's call that person Natasha, like the Black Widow from the Avengers, right? Like somebody who just, like, if they weren't a sadist at a kinky camp, you would just be like, you're a fucking spy, You're a spy assassin, and you like doing this. And this person was amazingly mean. Not like mean, you know, schoolgirl from fifth grade. I'm talking like professional mean, badass. Oh, well, I'm kind of into pistol whipping. What are you into? And I'm like, I like making out and taking showers with people. But like, we were kind of like trying to figure, like there was something there. There was a spark. Like, I had this crush on the mean girl. But in this moment, at 3 a.m., I'm like, I have a kind of crush on you, but I don't know what to do because I'm not kinky in the way that you're kinky, so I don't know how we're going to play. And she's like, well, come up with something. I'm like, well, I used to be a martial artist. I'll wrestle you. She's like, okay. So, of course, this camp has a wrestling room. So it's 3 a.m., and we're like... And I'm like, I'm going to get my jaw broken and this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and we start wrestling and I kind of do a judo thing and I was a martial artist for a long time and I go really getting into it and we kind of whip around and she's trying to like scissors me with her thighs, which are magnificent by the way. And this is a hot sadist and I'm like, I've never had a crush on a sadist. <laughs> and like she kind of whips around and she looks at me and she's like, it's like that moment where we're going to kiss or, or she's going to bite my face off. And she's like, and she sees me being like, oh. And she's like, fuck, you're not into it. I'm like, yes, I am. But I say it in that voice. And she's like, thanks for trying, Reed. It's, it's not going to work. <laughs> and as she goes away, I'm like, I can be kinky. I know I can. I know I can. I can do this. I can do this. Fast forward to the next year at camp, because that was my first year at camp. Fast forward to the next year. We're getting ready for camp, and I'm like, oh my God, it's camp time. It's like kinky sex camp. You know that time at band camp, but it's sex camp. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, this is going to be good. I won the most congeniality award last year, and I'm like, I'm going to be a slut of sluts. It's going to be great, and we're going to cuddle. It's going to be good. I'm ready. 
So, the other sadist, there were lots of sadists in this little leather family, but there was another one who took a shine to me. We're going to call them Frank Castle, the Punisher. Okay, this is somebody who I saw like boot stomp somebody while they were singing a song, a pop song. It was exciting and I was like, that's fucked up. (laughs) They were also the person that helped instigate a scene and I didn't know you could do this. It's called predicament bondage. There was somebody tied up between a bunch of pine trees with fishing line and fish hooks in their skin standing there with a ball gag while people shot a pellet gun at them. And I'm walking by, and now at this point it's my second camp, and I'm walking by and I'm like, that's fucked up. And I said to my friend, that's predicament bondage right there. I know these things because I talk to people. And in my head I'm like, I don't like that, man. So they, before camp, they're like, Reed, what's your fantasy? What can we help you create that you haven't experienced yet? And I realized, I'm like, wow, like, like this is an opportunity. Like, I have a squadron of people that will create a scene for me, and they love doing this. And I'm like, I need to ask for something I've never asked for before. And I, I do a lot of work on my own shame. Like, I'm a huge slut, but a lot of what I ask for is stuff that, like, tweaks me. Like, oh, no one could love me if I would ask for this. And so I told Frank Castle, the Punisher, <clears throat> lesbian strap-on gangbang. Now, you can hashtag that if you want, but... And they're like, I'll do that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'll make that happen. Is that, is that what you want? I'm like, yes. Because that voice comes yes. So I'm like, great. And I just kind of forgot about it. And then two days later, I get an email from, from the Punisher. Um, How much can you take? And I email back, what do you mean? In inches? And they're like, in people. And I'm like, what did you do? And the Punisher was like, well, I just put out a casual email to the people who come to camp. And I'm like, and? Conservatively, we're looking at 36 people. (laughs) So we get to camp. And I'm checking in with them now, because they're like my team captain. They're like organizing the whole thing. I'm like, how many now? Like we're staying steady at 30, mid-30s. I'm like, when is it happening? Well, after the barbecue on the hill. I'm like, okay. That the morning of the barbecue and the hill in the afternoon, right? Apparently there's like people walking up to me being like. And I'm like, And I'm like, oh no, my fantasy is coming true. Um, So I'm sitting there, I'm eating breakfast the morning of, and Natasha comes over and plops down. We haven't seen each other for a year. And I'm like, hi? Because I still, it's like like the seventh grade crush, sixth grade crush. I'm like, oh, it'll never work. We're star-crossed lovers. You're a sadist and I'm the one who likes to cuddle. It's never gonna happen. And she sits down and she's like, so, uh, what's up? And it was obvious, the tension, it was like, we had to figure out something. I'm like, we should figure out something. The wrestling did, she's like, the wrestling did not work last year. I'm like, okay. So we start brainstorming things. 
I'm like, well, tying me to a chair and punching me with boxing gloves? She's like, no. She's like, pistol whipping? I'm like, no. She's like, how about live burial? I'm like, no. She's like, uh, what about if a bunch of us hunt you in the woods and when we find you, we gang rape you? I'm like, no. Like, she's coming up with worse ideas. Worse ideas. I'm like, no, other direction ideas. And I'm like, well, I did learn an, a cool trick. And I, I think I kind of got it under my belt. And she's like, what? And I'm like, do you like wearing a strap on? She's like, tell me more. Right? And I'm like, I can choke on a cock really well. She's like, really? Can I come to your lesbian strap on gangbang? And I'm like, so I can choke on your cock, right? And I was like, yes, I said it the right way. And she goes, yes. And I'm like, please, by all means, come to the lesbian strap-on gangbang so that I may choke on your cock. And she walks away and I'm like, yes, finally I'm cool. Fast forward, after the hamburgers and the hot dogs and the baked beans and the coleslaw, it's time. And it's like a Western. They're like all on the horizon. It's like, wah, wah, wah. Boom, boom, boom. Wah, wah, wah. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And so it starts. Like, there's this weird thing. Like, I've never had a fantasy like this. And there's like all these like queer Feminist women with like these huge, some of them are really big, big, big cocks. And they're all like, mm -hmm. and I'm like, holy shit. So then I'm like, hi everyone. Like this is, I'm the person who cuddles. And I'm down on all fours and they're like, bow, bow, bow. And so something you need to know about me, in case we ever play together, is when I deep throat something in my throat, because of the vagus nerve and a bunch of other geeky little things, my ass relaxes in a really convenient way when you're at a lesbian strap-on gangbang. And so I kind of blow a friend with a medium-sized cock in, and it's just like, I can do this. And I'm like in my zone. And then it just starts. And now it kind of gets fuzzy. There's a lot of oxytocin. I'm just getting pounded by some hot people. Nina Hartley's running around taking pictures of us, right? And, and I'm like, you're not supposed to be taking pictures. Ah! Pound, pound, pound. I'm like, this is awesome. Somebody's giving me a hand job, and I'm like, this is wow. And I'm like, look, the clouds are going. Oh, this is so amazing. And then Natasha steps up. Yeah, it's like wow, wow, wow. With like the, the military boots, they're probably polished by somebody else's spit. I don't want to think about it. And she's like, are you ready? Now I'm getting fucked while she says, are you ready? I'm like, uh-huh, bring it. And she's like, oh yes. And she just starts skull fucking me. And I'm like in my zone now. And so there's a whole deep throating thing. We'll talk about it later. But like, so now I'm like, I'm comfortable because I know enough about deep throating at this point that I'm not gonna hurt myself, but I can choke on a cock and I'm gonna be okay. 
And I start choking on her cock, and the, and the whole time, because like, remember, I have a crush on the sadist. And I'm like, <laughs> while I'm looking up to try to figure out their facial expression, and they're like, it's kind of not working, it's kind of, and then I kind of like almost choke and vomit, and I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing it right. And I'm like, <laughs> choke, choke, choke. And she's like, yeah, take it, take it. And more people are fucking me. And the whole time I'm like, like my fifth grade awkward sixth grader is just like, the mean girl likes me. So the moral of this story is really if you try hard enough, if you be present with people and you brainstorm, you talk about your needs, your wants, and your desires, and you don't give up when things get tough, you just might find some area where your Venn diagrams overlap. And there's this little sweet spot. Maybe it's you choking on somebody's silicone dick. I don't know. It's probably going to be different for you. But don't give up, because if a cuddler like me and a sadist like Natasha can find just a few moments of bliss, then you can too. This is for this week folks this is Carice Eden behind me now and we will be back with more stories from Pornotopia and uh, also another story from body storytelling in San Francisco next week when we do live sex show part two Minneapolis I will be in town on Wednesday December 3rd doing workshops a storytelling workshop a sketch comedy workshop at Brave New Workshop. So come, check it out. And then the next day, December 4th, Risk will be appearing in Minneapolis. Great stories we have prepared. That's Thursday, December 4th. Come out and see us, Minneapolis. You can find out more at risk-show.com slash tour. Don't forget that Risk is listener-supported because we are a part of the Maximum Fun 
network of podcasts. You can find Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org, and you can donate at MaximumFun.org slash donate. You can become a one-time contributor or a member. There are so many wonderful shows, so much wonderful programming that comes out of Max Fun. We're all listener-supported. We very much rely on the help from those who love what we do. So please go become a member or make a one-time contribution and be sure to earmark it for risk. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk. This is Kevin Allison, I'll poo on your chest. Just tell me when. No, that would be weird. <laughs>